You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 89 with Meg Kelly. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey friends, welcome back to Heart Food Podcast. So excited to share this episode with you today with my friend Meg Kelly. Meg is a writer, mindfulness coach, and yoga teacher who helps introverted and creative people let go of the stress of perfection and embrace the poetry of their lives. You can follow her at Meg on Instagram and find her newsletter and free mindfulness practices at mapledmeg.com. So I will put all of Meg's information in the show notes if you want to reach out to her. And I highly suggest subscribing to her newsletter. I get it every Saturday morning. That is when she sends it out and it is truly like a virtual hug. She is such a talented writer and such a thoughtful person with the information that she puts out there. And, you know, Meg is also a business coaching client of mine. She's in my mastermind and she has been in there for the last six months. And I have truly seen her really blossom and find her voice with the action that she is taking. She has been a writer and a poet for a very long time, but I think that this is just a testament to so many of us out there who maybe have not been like super clear with what they do in terms of selling it to people and creating something where people can find you and know what you do. Because sometimes we think that we can figure these things out by thinking about them and just sort of romanticizing them in our heads. And although it sort of feels like we're taking action when we do that, it really means that we're not taking action. The best way that we can find that clarity, even if like when we start, we know that we still have creative powers and a creative voice and we know how to express ourselves, When it comes to honing that voice of wanting to create something in the world that people can be a part of, it really comes down to just starting to act. And again, Meg is such a beautiful example of this because she has truly honed in on what she wants to do, who she wants to speak to, and the kinds of services that she offers. Uh, And sometimes we need a coach for that. Sometimes we need somebody who's going to be in our corner to help guide us. And Meg has been just such an amazing um, 
asset to my life in terms of, you know, seeing somebody grow so much and at the same time also seeing the amazing gifts that they're putting out there. And I highly encourage you again to subscribe to her newsletter. She is also going to be releasing a workbook in the next couple months surrounding mindfulness. Uh, But she really helps people let go of perfection and get to that place where they can start you know, pouring that creativity out of themselves. Because if you're introverted, if you're somebody who wants a little more guidance and clarity, and you really want to express that creativity, definitely suggest checking out Mag and being a part of her radar. I'm sure she would love to hear from you. Uh, And we really have an amazing conversation today. We talk about all of these different things. Uh, Meg also struggled with food in the past, which is how she found me. Um, You know, we have a lot of these same common struggles. and, And like many of you that are listening to the podcast as well, where mindfulness can really be a tool, not only with our jobs and our work, but it can really be an amazing thing with our relationships and especially our food. So we end up talking a lot about you know, food and control and perfectionism around food. We talk about fear. We talk about mindfulness. We start talking about how to take action on the things that you really want to take action on. It really was such a heartwarming conversation. And I'm so excited to share it with you in a moment. Um, Quick Fire Kitchen, which is my eight-week live online cooking academy, is open for enrollment. So if you are listening to this show on the day it comes out, which is July 9th, 2019, the 20% off discount for Quick Fire Kitchen ends today. So tomorrow on July 10th, the price is going to go up $100. I know last week's episode was all about Quick Fire Kitchen, so I'm not going to go into the specifics too much on what's included, but it's definitely something that will allow you to cook and cook well and feel confident in the kitchen and get to that place where you truly know how to navigate ingredients, how to become an independent thinker when it comes to cooking. I'm going to be showing you in the course methods for creating dishes versus recipes so you're not super tied down. Again, this goes back to perfectionism and letting go of control and being a little bit flexible. And that's what cooking is. And that's how I'm going to teach you to be cooking in this course. So not in, not only is it a comprehensive cooking school, but you will also be directly supported by me in the group that we're going to be in. I will be having a private community where we will all be able to interact and you will be getting coached by me uh, directly in that group and I will be doing educational lives and cooking demos. You will have me the entire time that the course is happening. And beginning in 2020, probably in February 2020, which is the next time that the course comes out, the course price is going up to $997 because it is truly that comprehensive of a course. It is a beast. There is so much included. If you want to have a resource that can help you prepare you know, a real food-based way of eating. So just using fresh natural foods, if you can picture like a farm-to-table style restaurant, those are the types of meals that we're going to be creating and they are amazing and delicious. So I'm going to put the link for that in the show notes where you can also check out some photos of the stuff that we're going to be making and the specific curriculum that's going to be happening. All I know is that if you have a fat loss goal or if you want to start getting healthy or you feel like you like 
your health goals are not being accomplished because of your lack of cooking knowledge, Quick Fire Kitchen is for you. Also, if you are a mom or a parent who feels like they can never have enough variety, kids hate everything you cook, and it just sucks uh, to hear that every day, and you want to learn how to create sort of um, simple meals with a lot of flavor if you don't want to feel anxious, if you want to feel confident in the kitchen, this is what Quick Fire Kitchen is. But again, not only is it a cooking school, it has direct customized support for fat loss nutrition. So if you have wanted to be coached by me one-on-one, the price of the course is less than one month of coaching with me one-on-one. So if you want you know, sort of a low barrier to entry to be coached by me one-on-one, then I definitely suggest getting in on this course. Also because it's going up so much in the fall and I wanted to give the first batch of people who took this course the, you know, a really lower priced opportunity to do that. So that's why I am offering the course at such a low price and truly a steal for everything that you get. But if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram or send me an email at um, ashleykpardo at gmail.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions and I'd be happy to, you know, talk to you about if, talk to you about whether Quick Fire Kitchen would be a good fit for you, but I can guess that it probably is. Um, Anyway, I can't wait to get into this episode with Megan. So we're going to do that right now. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at mapledmeg and sign up for that newsletter of hers on mapledmeg.com. And let's get right into it. Thank you so much for being on the show today with me, Meg. Thank you, Ashley. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you here with me as well. And we were just talking for a couple minutes now before we uh, pressed record. And it's actually the 4th of July today. So we're getting a head start on this conversation before we go off and, and um, you know, partake in our days. But I would love if we could start um, by you telling the listeners what you do and how you got to where you are. It's sort of like that big question that I ask at the beginning, um, but it sort of leaves that space for you to take it into whatever direction that you want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big question, but it's a great one. Um, So I guess I would start by saying that I'm a writer first and foremost. Um, It's been a passion of mine for a really long time. And it's something that um, through my various struggles has kind of kept me afloat. Um, I'm super sensitive. I grew up really like not understanding the world and like, you know, crying at the drop of a hat and not knowing that I was really, um, I wasn't shy as a lot of people would identify me, but I was just super sensitive and um, related to people on a really deep level and had all these weird observations around the world about Mm -hmm. um, just things that I saw. And for so long, I thought I was different than people. And now that I've been in sort of a community of women and gotten to talk and talk to them about writing, um, I've realized how many people are like me and are like um, writers and other creatives really struggle with sharing their message. So um, I guess what I could say I could do in a nutshell is Mm -hmm. that I help women get through their creative process by confronting fear and shame about their stories. So for a long time, I struggled with things like food. I used food 
for everything. I used it as a comfort. I used it as something to control. I used it as a comparison point. Oh, she's eating, you know, gluten-free. I need to try that. I need to eat gluten-free and exercise. Oh, that person is doing hot yoga eight times a week. I need to do hot yoga eight times a week. And really just lost myself for a while in that comparison trap. Um, And it wasn't until I started learning about the tools of mindfulness, which is I'm a yoga teacher and I'm really passionate about teaching people just the simple step of becoming aware of what's around them. Uh, I realized I was missing a whole bunch of joy in my life. And for me, writing was always that joy. And I had just thrown it to the wayside for a really long time pursuing other things that people expected of me in my life. So helping people come back to that, to that feeling of joy and passion that they feel with whatever sort of creative path that they're on, whether it's writing or art or music, uh, is what I do. And so, yeah, um, that's sort of just in a nutshell um, where I've been and how I've gotten here. Yeah. And there, and there's so many different, uh, you know, like thinking everything that you just said right now or thinking of everything that you just said, I'm like, wow, there's so many things that we could touch upon just in, in what you said, because first of all, I, I experienced that sensitivity as well, as you know. And I think that that sensitivity from my experience and what I see in people is, you know, we can sort of be resented sometimes, at least like that's the experience that I had, that thinking that we're different and like almost wishing that we, that, we were another way, at least like that. That's that's the experience that I had. And and I know that many other people have, but at the same time, that sensitivity is the thing that allows us to be creative and sort of allows us to tap in to the force that is there within us. Exactly. Exactly. What I always tell people is the thing that you are beating yourself up about and the thing that you're obsessing over as making you different or your struggle, that's the thing that's going to lead to your breakthrough. Like that is the exact thing that you need to go through in order to have whatever breakthrough you need to have. So often, I mean, you talk about this all the time, Ashley. So often we get stuck on the point of like, I need to get to this point. And when I get to that point, everything's oh going to be awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I probably mentioned yeah. that like in every episode because <laughs> it is I'm, so, and it just like in everything I talk about, because that is like the prevalent theme that so many people go through. And it's like this huge misconception. And I even find myself still sort of wanting that, still sort of like being uh sort of like hooked by it like oh it's okay because when I get here I'm like no 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 bring it like bring it back (laughs) reel it in uh it's always now it's always here you know so like these things that we think will give us that point of arrival or that completeness aren't actually the like won't actually make that goal happen for us right yeah and I think that's also for me that's like one of the biggest misconceptions about mindfulness that I that I see so often is like people that are curious about and I think that this is totally valid to want to live a more calm lifestyle one where your creativity is more easily accessible because I do believe if you're living a lifestyle that's like very intense maybe you have kids you have an intense job it's hard to tap into that creative part of your brain just like 
physiologically, like it's really, that's the different part of your brain. So it's very valid to want to feel calm. But I think when people sit down to either meditate or journal and all this stuff comes up, like these struggles, like these fears, they're like, okay, well, I'm failing at this, obviously, because I don't like, I haven't achieved this calm state in like whatever time I've allotted to do that. And I just tell people constantly, that's exactly what should be happening. Like what you're experiencing, what you're experiencing is completely valid. And you kind of have to sit with those uncomfortable feelings in order to have that breakthrough. And maybe it's a moment of calm that happens, or maybe, you know, it's that you don't freak out at your partner the next time they do something that, that upsets you. It's just our focus constantly, as you were saying on this, like outcome, like I need to be in this Zen calm state for a hundred percent of my life. It just, it just doesn't happen. But if you use mindfulness tools, which I constantly tell people your awareness around those moments where you're frustrated and you're feeling those feelings of fear, it's almost like you're able to zoom out on your life and just become aware of it. Like those feelings will never go away, but your awareness around having them and just being able to recognize it, it just gets so much easier the more you practice it. So I don't know. I just wanted to dispel that myth, like right off the bat, what you said just triggered that in my brain. Yeah. And that's such a a wonderful point to make because I've fallen into it so many times where it's like, if I, to the point where like, it was like, you know, I think of food and and I had periods of like orthorexia and stuff. This is almost like mental orthorexia in a sense, like Mm -hmm. wanting to get to that point where like, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do one hour of mindfulness and one hour of yoga and like just focusing on like being like sacrificing fun and sacrificing joy in order to like be this rigid person because I'm like, okay, if I do this enough, if I put in enough hours into this thing and like do, do, do and action, 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 then my, all of these like terrible thoughts that I have sometimes are just going to go away. And, and people have that, um, misconception in their heads sometimes. And again, it's so common. We all go through it, I think at some point. But I think it's important, like you said, to dispel that right at the beginning before we talk about mindfulness, that like mindfulness is that gentle awareness that we have in the background. So it's like potential negative thoughts, potential doubt, especially when we're talking about creativity and taking action and just really putting out your work into the world, whatever that looks like for you, like those things are going to pop up uh, sometimes. So it's important to know that like it is okay if like you still find yourself having certain patterns and and thoughts and stuff. It isn't really about, like the point isn't to make them go away. Uh, Mm, Yeah. The point is to just sort of develop that other awareness, that other um, voice inside of your head that, that can then be the, you know, the way that you manage these things. Um, And I want to get into creativity in a moment and resistance and, and all of that, because that's a big thing that we all deal with as well. But I really want to talk a little bit about food for a moment because there's so many people on this podcast that maybe struggle with food and have had, you know, maybe some patterns in the past with their eating that, you know, they want help with or something. So I would love for you to maybe go into some mindful patterns for eating and maybe you can talk a little bit more about like what your struggles looked like specifically 
and how mindfulness helped um, the food stuff. Because again, so many people deal with that and it is something that's so, so common. Wow. Yeah. I could, we could probably just record a podcast episode just on this topic. Yes, I'm (laughs) sure. I think for me, everything that we just have talked up into this point about in terms of control really manifested itself for me in food, even from like a really young age, I was like a super picky eater, wouldn't eat certain types of food. And I don't really think I had a reason for it other than like my little seven-year-old self was like, this is like maybe me asserting some control over Mm -hmm. food. And as I went through my life, I had difficulties all across the spectrum, just like moving in different locations. And I would always have food though. I mean, we always have to eat. So I did everything from like being a closet eater of certain foods that weren't unhealthy, but I wasn't even conscious of what I was doing. Like I was like trying to protect myself by eating more food in a way. It was like a safety net. Yes. And then just swinging the other way when I realized, oh, I gained like maybe 10 or 15 pounds to developing these restrictive rules that really were not based on me consulting with a nutritional practitioner, just saying, oh, well, now I'm going to restrict gluten. Now I'm going to restrict sugar to like zero and not really ever getting to the point of why was I doing that? Like, and so getting to your other part of your question about mindfulness, I think the biggest thing that I could recommend to people is that if you're noticing a behavior around food that you feel like isn't working for you, in order to change it, which I don't think it's wrong to want to change it, but I think you really have to question why. Like, why am I engaging in these behaviors to begin with? And why do I want to change them? And for me, I, I never got to that question. I would just move on to the next thing. I would just say like, okay, well, you know, that didn't work. And so now I'm going to try a whole 30 and like not ever sit down with my journal and really confront the feelings of fear. Really, it was a lot of times fear that I didn't want to confront head on about a situation, about my future. Uh, And at the core of it was like the fear of not being good enough. Oh, yeah. And so once I uncovered that, I was like, whoa, this is not about the food. This is not about the food. Yes. And that's like a huge (laughs) revelation. And it's like, wow, like how much of my life have I thought that it was what I'm eating or what I'm not eating or that obsession that we have with like, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. It's like this point of enlightenment, I think, on everybody's food journey when you, and that's something that some people, you know, I work with people one-on-one for nutrition. That's something that some people just don't realize, yes. you know, and, and that's okay. Like we've been there too, both of us, uh, where you don't realize how, uh, you know, how these behaviors actually have nothing to do with food. And it, it can also give like a moment of like anger, I think sometimes is like, wow, like, I've spent all this time worrying and it, it's easier to, and I get it because it's easier to blame the food mm-hmm. and to just always put that 
external blame onto something else than to, like you said, look inside and actually feel those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also say that, you know, as a person that struggles with perfectionism too, I had to come to terms with the fact that I was trying to optimize my diet to be someone that I really wasn't. Like I was using it, as I said earlier in the episode, as a point of comparison, because I just didn't believe that what my body looked like or who I was. And I'm not saying you you can't grow or change or want to change things about your body, but that like fundamentally at my core, no matter what I looked like, if it was an extra five, 10, whatever pounds, that I was still worthy. Like I was still a person that was worthy of being loved. And, you know, I think going into any sort of change with your diet, you have to come from that place of, you know, whether this works for me or not, I'm going to do it from a place of love. And if it doesn't work for me, you know, I'd hold so rigidly to diets that were supposed to do something to my body. Yes. And they weren't working. And I, yeah. the problem was that's the promise. Me. That's the promise yeah. that they get, and you know, the problem was never, oh, this diet doesn't work for my body, which all of us are bio individual. So mm-hmm. you, which means basically the particular foods that work for you aren't going to come necessarily from a cookie cutter plan or diet that somebody gives you. You have to kind of just build that hyper awareness for yourself about okay, maybe a little bit of dairy works for me, or maybe a little bit of gluten works for me. And I was unwilling to go there. I was like, no, I can't have those things because X, Y, Z person said I can't. And the problem is with me and I'm not being strict enough to adhere to the diet. That's the problem. And then there's more blame. Yeah. And you just get into the shame fueled cycle. And I just honestly, I just got tired of living that way. I mean, I think a lot of people are just, you just get tired of living by a script that doesn't work for you anymore. So I think just first building that awareness around that is just, and you share this all the time, Ashley, like you really can't make any change in your life if you're not starting from awareness. It's just, you need to start asking those questions of, okay, how am I feeling? Why do I want to feel differently? And really just go through the process from a place of love and willingness to buck the process that you're following and just be like, screw it, I'm not doing this anymore. If it's feeling like it's wrong for you and it's feeling really like, you know, I I don't need to conform to this because someone told me to, because I know I'm enough. I know I can make the decision that works for my body. I am the person that knows my body the best. Yes. And that's not something that we're typically told, especially like in the diet industry. I mean, we know that like, that's why they're in business because they have repeat customers and, you know, it's, it's really a process I think too, of, of like self-honoring and, yes. and being willing to trust yourself because so many times we put that trust into external people. And I can understand maybe if somebody is not very educated on nutrition, they don't know what works for them, then of course, I think that working with somebody to help you through that process can be really beneficial. But ultimately, Mm -hmm. if you're feeling any sort of stress, any sort of um, 
like heavy discomfort around the way that you're eating and the foods that you think that you should eat, that's just not the way that you should be eating then. You know, and I wish that somebody would have told me that many, many years ago, that your relationship with food and eating doesn't have to feel, it doesn't have to feel bad. And because it's something that, like you said, it's something so interesting for the people like us that have struggled with food that it can be the hardest thing to struggle with because we have to face it three times a day, you know? Exactly. Yeah. But if we sort of turn it around and say like, okay, my relationship with food and the way that I eat can truly be a gateway into what I'm feeling, into how I'm doing, into what I believe I deserve, what I believe I'm worth. Like it goes way deeper. And a lot of people are not, um, like we're not taught how to do that. We're not taught how to be mindful. We're not taught how to have awareness. Um, so thank you for sharing about your, your story in, in regards to that. Um, what are some sort of strategies that you can give people to begin developing that awareness around food uh, if like they feel like they don't even know where to start? Because I feel like when it comes to, mm-hmm. and you and I have talked about this a lot, that yes. mindfulness can seem very vague to people. Like, what does that even mean? It's kind of like mindset or even like self-care. It can feel very like out there, vague. So I love the practicality that you put towards it. So I would love if you could just sure. talk a little bit about some of the strategies that you can begin to do with food that can be pretty simple to implement. So I think with food, one of the things that I implemented that really helped me was just building an awareness of when I was eating. I was always eating with my phone, I found, mm-hmm. or just super distracted, like almost as if my meals were getting in my way. Like I was a super type A person and, you know, I would eat my meals in like 15 minutes and like not even remember two hours later what I had eaten. Like it was there. And it was such a shame when I actually looked at it because I actually love food and I love to cook. And I wasn't actually even enjoying the process of eating. Yeah. So I think for a lot of us that live busy lifestyles, that's really hard to do. But if you can make your meals sort of a priority where you're like, I'm not going to answer emails. I'm going to have this meal to myself. I'm going to slow down and pause and really notice like, is this the food that I really like? Like, is this the texture? Is this the temperature? Is this, are these the types of foods that a couple hours later, I still feel a little full from and just start to maybe journal about that. Like don't food journal, like in an obsessive way, like this is, these are my macros. And I mean, you can of course track if that's something that you're working on with your health um, coach or your nutritional practitioner. But start to notice, like, how do you feel after you eat certain foods and while you're eating certain foods? And, you know, of course, working with a coach, if, if you um, are unsure about your diet and what to add or take out, but just become your own advocate in a way and say, you know, I've taken notes on these things. And like, I feel really great when I have like a yogurt first thing in the morning and 
I don't feel so great if I have pancakes instead. Like just to build that awareness and slowing down for me while I'm eating is a constant thing that I have to remind myself. Like none of these practices after the first or second try become fully ingrained but slowly they become habits. Like now I, I just don't reach for my phone when I'm eating at all. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I just know that I'm just not going to go there. And I think I also, um, keep coming back to the fact that it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, yes, I can have a few meals where I am on the run, but I'm going to make sure that at least my dinner tonight, I'm going to be fully present for it. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to have my meal with somebody that I really enjoy talking to. And we're going to have a conversation like that to me is the start of a way to become a little bit more mindful around food. Um, yeah, right? totally, totally agree with, with all of those. And that's truly the foundation, I think, to, to begin doing it. And, and I think it's important to say that like these things might feel really foreign and weird mm-hmm. and uncomfortable at the beginning yeah. and that's normal. But as you go through your life and you begin to implement them and slowly uh, over a period of weeks or months, I think like it just becomes second nature. And like, it's also, I think important to say that like, like you mentioned that it's not about for perfection. So it doesn't mean that like, if you have to eat standing up one day and shovel something into your mouth because you have yeah. five minutes to eat, that doesn't mean that you messed up. That yeah. doesn't mean that you're bad. That doesn't mean that like you're not a mindful person. Sometimes life just happens. And of course, we would all love to spend like 40 minutes at each meal and just kind of saunter through the meal. But like sometimes, and I used to get down on myself like, oh no, I'm eating. I have to eat in the car today. Now I'm like not a mindful person anymore because I did right. that. And like, there's a lot of shame involved. So it's like, do the best you can within your life and that is okay. So really release not only the perfection around what you are eating, but also the way in which you eat it. I think you can still have awareness if you have to eat like in front of the TV one day, you know, Mm -hmm. or if you like are just having to do something else. If like maybe you don't have a break at work and you have to eat at your computer just add the awareness and the mindfulness to the level that your life allows, um, I think is, is a big takeaway as well, because we can get really sort of obsessed sometimes with like, uh, just turning it into another rule. Yes. You know, and that's not the point either. Yeah. Uh, So, so yeah. Um, but going into, you know, taking action and going into creativity and the mindfulness that surrounds that, which you talk about so much and you talk about so eloquently and in a way that is, again, just so very practical uh, and really putting like some concrete steps around mindfulness. Um, many people that listen to this podcast are women entrepreneurs or, or women that want to be entrepreneurs and have their own business. And if you want to talk about something that's going to trigger you and make you feel really uncomfortable, like go try to be an entrepreneur. Like that's oh going yes. to bring up all of, your, all of your stuff and it never ends. Um, I used to think like, oh, once you get to a certain level, again, it's that thought pattern again. Like once you get to a certain level, it all goes away, but it's still with you always. So I think knowing that from the beginning is really important. Um, but talk about maybe 
some of the ways that we can manage the thought patterns that surround us stepping into that other version of ourselves that maybe wants to be creative, wants to, they haven't painted in years or written in years because they haven't listened to that part of themselves. How can people begin to take action in that way and let go of the fear and the shame like you talked about in the beginning? Wow. Yeah. I love this question. Um, So a couple things come to mind. First, I think that if you're tapping into your creativity, maybe you're starting to paint again, or you're starting to write again after not doing it a long time. We kind of have to detach from this idea that the outcome, sort of like the work is what's going to justify the process. So you know, I'll use my mom as an example. She was a painter for a really long time and she then became a teacher and she teached, she taught, excuse me, for a number of years and sort of let that part of her go. Mm -hmm. And she just retired. And I was like to her, mom, why don't you start painting again? And her first response was like, well, I'm not very good anymore. Mm. But when I talked to her, a little bit more and she actually started taking a painting class which I got her for Mother's Day um, she found so much joy in just being at her easel again with her paints and even if the thing that she created she's like well I can't sell this but I asked her how did you feel in the process and she's like I just felt like myself again like mm-hmm. you just there's just you have to kind of focus instead of this thing I'm creating, this uh, project that I'm working on, it's got to be appealing to other people, which of course you want to make things if you're an entrepreneur that you can sell. Of course you want to make money, but the joy that you find in that process, and sometimes it takes a whole lot of discomfort before you get to that joy. Like it's ugly, you know, you can, you, everything especially if you're an entrepreneur, your struggle, like the thing that you went through, like food, we just talked about for a while, like that's probably part of what's the subject matter of your business or the thing that you're now helping to coach other people through. So it's going to get a little messy, but are there pockets of joy where you can say, oh my God, I really enjoyed creating this thing because I zoned out for like two hours and I just was so focused on the process that I didn't care about whether someone was going to buy it or not, you know, and those end up being the things I think where we start to get a little bit more vulnerable. We start to share those deep things because that's where our creative process takes us. You know, if we're willing to go there, um, you know, that's where it goes. And Sometimes you just have to say, okay, well, I'm going to release this thing out into the world and maybe it only helps one person or maybe it's like the thing I needed to create for myself and as a side effect, it helps other people. And that's, you know, that's great. Mm -hmm. I just, I just see so often we get so caught up in, especially in social media, like how many likes something gets Mm -hmm. or, you know, how many people share it or you know, repost it or retweet it. And those things are fine. 
but I think coming back to a place of being just aware of how much you enjoy whatever you're doing. Cause if we're not enjoying it, then why, why are we, why are we doing it? So just attaching those moments together, sort of like stringing them along, like you like pearls on a necklace, like those tiny, just little moments of where you feel like so alive in what you're doing, I think makes it all worth it. And that has helped me, especially through the moments where I'm like, this feels awful because I'm telling people things and it's part of my story that I, you know, have healed from, but it's incredibly uncomfortable, but that's the best part of being a creative is being able to share your story and to not really put a huge amount of weight on what people will think about it. But again, but those moments where people are like, actually, I really deeply resonate with that. I deeply relate to that. And you're like, oh, wow. You know, I thought I was the only one. Yeah. And it just makes it all worth it. Totally. And and the power of like telling your story, you know, the things that, and you and I talk about this a lot behind the scenes, like the thing that we're scared to tell, it can be the thing that gives us freedom, empowerment, and again, help, you know, also help others as well that, you know, so it's like, wow, the thing that we thought was like the worst thing about us is this thing that can actually connect us to people who have gone through the same and help them transform and have the strength to maybe tell their story too, Um, which is, which is awesome. And what you told about your mom is, is something that I find so many people going through because I do work with women entrepreneurs and even myself, I used to be an artist uh, and, and it's even problematic for me to say like used to, you know what I mean? I shouldn't say that because I still have it in me. Um, but I get sort of caught up in like, well, I I shouldn't dedicate an hour to painting or to uh, drawing something with colored pencil or markers or whatever, because like, what if it's not that good, you know? And what if I don't have something to show for it at the end that I'll have wasted an hour. And like I haven't, it's probably been months since I've like painted something because I get caught up in that. And I think that my time is better spent in other places, but the magic and the joy that happens in creativity is in the process. It isn't in the outcome, you know? So we actually find ourselves and can sort of like dig ourselves out of something that we've been feeling if we can find joy in the completion and the creation and and most importantly the tapping into that source that can then you know create other big shifts in our lives too um you know right now i've been like obviously working on other stuff um but i hope in the next uh couple months i can begin that practice again uh because it's awesome Um, so what are what would you say are like some when it comes to creativity and, and taking action and yes. all of that, what are some like mindfulness strategies that we can have in that uh, arena and in that respect? If like we're really struggling, if like the resistance is, you know, coming in hard that day, we all have our days where like the voices yeah. are louder than others. And I want to also normalize resistance and doubt Absolutely. and fear and anxiety and almost like I feel like there's almost even a sense of shame in wanting to put your stuff out. Like, who am I to tell to talk about this? Or who am I to sell something? Who, who's going to buy this? Like all those thoughts that pop up are things that we all go through. So what are some uh, tools 
that you can let the listeners know about when it comes to specifically like taking action and, and creativity? So I would say you kind of have to know what works for you, but was what has helped me a lot fear. So fear is really a feeling in your body. A lot of times, like physiologically, if you are dreading putting something out or if you are feeling really ashamed to maybe ask people to pay for a product that you have, start to become aware of like, what is that doing to your body? Like, what is that doing to your breath? And like, maybe you need to shift out of that energy. I think it's all pretty much energy in our body Mm -hmm. that some simple movement helps me at least. Like for me, a 10 minute walk in nature is like worth its weight in gold. (laughs) The fixer of everything. (laughs) It really, and but I think as entrepreneurs or creatives, we get into this mindset where it's like, no, I need to put my butt in the chair and I need to write for three hours, which totally agree to get part of getting through resistance is actually just sitting down and doing the thing. Like just putting the word on the page, just putting the paintbrush, you know, setting a timer for yourself for 15 minutes. And sometimes that 15 minutes turns into 30 and 40. Once you actually get through that initial resistance to get going, But if you're really just feeling that block, like, and you're feeling just ugh in your body, like, Mm -hmm. I can't do this today, don't beat yourself up about it. Like, go for a walk, sit with that feeling for a little bit, journal about it. And sometimes through that process of me journaling about it, that gets me through the, the block. Like, I can see my way slowly out of it through walking away from it. Like, I think we're often so afraid to like, just back down a little bit from, from doing the thing. Like, I I totally agree that we need to put ourselves out there and push past resistance. But like, sometimes the answer happens when we're not trying. Like when we walk away from it for a little bit, when we give it some space. So my biggest tip to Uh, creatives and entrepreneurs is to just build that awareness in yourself. I mean, I think there's sort of two different things. It's like, there's a time to act. And there's always going to be that fear that comes up before you publish something or before you um, put something out there, you post, and you have to know, all right, this is just my friend fear saying, don't do it. And I got to do it. I got to push past it. Versus I'm feeling really super burned out right now and I'm pushing myself to get to like 10 Instagram posts a week and I'm on number three and I'm just feeling like this isn't happening. Mm -hmm. Like don't beat yourself up about it. Maybe you need to just step back a little bit and give it some space and reconnect with your reasons for why you're doing it and maybe some feelings that you've just been neglecting and have been just trying to push down and through a process like journaling or meditation it can be really helpful to sort of make the connections in your own mind that will help you get back to, okay, this is actually what I want to say. Maybe I had like 10 other things in mind that I wanted to say, but this is actually the one that I need to say today. Yes. And, and we also resist all of these things too. Like, yes, I don't feel like going on a walk. I don't feel like journaling. It's often like we really resist and don't feel motivated to do the things like the exact things that are going to give us peace and clarity 
um, which is something that I still find myself to this day, like resistance for going on a walk outside, even though I know it's going to be the thing that makes me feel better. Like Mm. sometimes resistance beats me and I have to be careful to not beat myself up for that as well. Um, But I also want to say that the thing that you might need to break that, uh, maybe block or get some clarity is the exact thing that you maybe don't feel like doing. Um, yes. And, and that's okay to have resistance around those things. Um, it's through the process of like pushing through, doing it anyway, literally just taking it one step at a time, like sitting down in a chair, like take it the tiniest step, sitting down in a chair, getting your journal out, getting your pen, sitting there for a moment or like putting on a sock then the yes. other one, then the shoe yeah. and getting outside. And it's like something that I try to tell people is like, just give it like two minutes, like two minutes or three minutes, five minutes and just commit to that, like something yes. tiny. So that once you get over that initial inertia, that initial hump, you can then, uh, that's the hardest part. So like once you're out the door, once you've got the pen in hand and you've written four words, like those are that's going to get you to do 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is. Um, and again, it's also like really looking at the perfection, te- perfectionist tendencies that we have around this, because also as creatives, as introspective people, we are perfectionists. So it's like a constant struggle to sort of manage that too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's like a lot of moving parts around this too. And and that's okay for some of us, especially like if you're sensitive, there's just some extra things that we need to implement in our lives to feel normal, to feel good. Uh, and I want to say that like, that's okay too, to do yes. those things. Yes. Um, something else that I wanted to talk to you about before we get into the quick fire questions, because we're already like time is flying in oh the, my in the interview is that you have had, uh, in particular, just so much growth and so much action uh, these past like six months. So talk about how that's been for you and, and you know, and as you've just taken a level of action uh, that has allowed you to just be consistent in a lot of different things. Yeah. I, I mean looking back on these past six months, um, being in the mastermind. So being in your business coaching mastermind, you know, I couldn't have fathomed the amount of growth that I've experienced. And, you know, it didn't start with me feeling like I wanted a huge and thriving business, which of course is a, a a really, a goal that's totally valid, but I kind of just wanted to start because I didn't think I could do it. And it didn't happen with like, just like this huge, like explosion of growth. It happened by taking like one step at a time, like one post at a time. Like I wrote my first newsletter and I had three subscribers, but I treated them like they were 300 subscribers Yes, and slowly grown and it's grown and it's grown. And it's something that I absolutely love to do is write this daily like it's not daily excuse me I write daily visions on my Instagram posts which are sort of like um, journaling prompts for people but then I write a weekly love note I call it it's just a long form newsletter to people that talks about everything we just talked about like fear and and shame and resistance and being more mindful even though it's really hard and I think that 
just having, you know, you as a coach, honestly, to just be someone who can listen to what I have envisioned. And like, I've gone through a lot of changes. Like I didn't start off talking about creativity, but I think that's ultimately where I needed to go with my Mm -hmm. business and just having you there to be like, okay, we're going to make a shift then. Like, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to see what resonates with your message. Um, I don't think I could have done it on my own. I, I do think I, I totally think that people are capable of becoming their own architect of their lives and their change. And I think, you know, the answers, but just having someone there, it's like a growth accelerator. Like, I don't think I would have gotten this far from literally zero to having a vision for what exactly a business, a thriving business looks like in six months without a coach. Like it just, it just wouldn't have happened for me at all. And just to have you there being like, you're, you're doing great. Like you're doing what you need to do. And like, because sometimes you send emails out and like you get no response and you're just like, why am or I? Or unsubscribes. Yeah. Or unsubscribes. You know? <laughs> you're just like. Every time for me, it's every time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you've just shared this like really vulnerable thing yeah. or like this, like you've just like put so much time and effort into it. But again, it's just like, you just have to come back to the fact that like, it's all a process. Like growth is this messy, scary, uncomfortable process but just having someone to like talk about it to and, mm-hmm. and speak to it and someone who's been there and like literally done this before, it's just invaluable. And just from a personal growth standpoint, like I, I feel like a whole different person. Like I just feel like a totally and not different in the sense that like I don't recognize myself, different in the sense that I am more myself now. Like yeah. I feel more in tune with like what I'm here to do like on this planet and like Mm -hmm. the message that I and the struggle that I experience is something that I am meant to share and so just these last six months have been really super eye-opening for me and I'm just like infinitely grateful to have you and the mastermind as something that has gotten me to this point well, that, that means the world to me. And I'm getting chills as you're talking because everything that you said is like exactly how I want people to feel. And it is, you know, this stuff is really hard. And I, and I constantly say that to the people that I work with because we almost think like it shouldn't be hard or it shouldn't feel this hard, but it is, it can be grueling sometimes to have to let go of outcomes, to have to go through the process. Because as you're in the process, it might not feel like you're growing. Mm. It's really when you look back, I think, you think like, oh, wow, a month ago or two months ago. It's always kind of in retrospect. And again, those perfectionist tendencies pop up and we're like, oh my God, maybe I'm not as far along as I want to be. But as we go through this process where we build businesses or we continue to take action or we are getting clarity on our message, it happens brick by brick. Like literally we're laying a foundation and sometimes we try to work things out in our heads, especially in this realm. And we're like, okay, if I talk about this or do this, and it is truly in the daily action, just putting stuff out there that, you know, instead of working it out and finding it out through like logically, 
you find it out by showing up on the journey and it sort of reveals itself as you go. And I know that we've sort of like tweaked things for you a little bit as we've gone on. Um, But I feel like now in the past couple months, it's been really awesome, just like the message that you're sharing and it feels more you and it just brings me so much joy to hear from you, you know, the times that you've told me, like, I've just felt so much more authentically me throughout this process. And I also want to normalize, like we've done so many parts, like in so many parts of this conversation that it can feel hard and it can feel like it is, you know, the resistance popping up at, you know, so many different moments. But if you want a path of growth and so many of us that are sensitive and deep and intelligent and ambitious want that, like that growth makes us feel like us, uh, it can't happen without the discomfort. So if you're going through the discomfort and you're out there and you're listening, just know that it can really bring you so many gems on the other side. And if you want to stay in comfort, that's okay too. Like, you know, everybody has a different path that they're on. But I know that so many of my clients, like that's kind of what I do in my business is like make people uncomfortable in a loving way and and be there to support them and guide them. Um, so that they can have what they want. Sometimes the thing that we want and the building of the thing that we want to put out there involves all of these feelings. And it is okay because it sort of ebbs and flows. Like we put something out there, then we feel good. And then, oh my God, now it's the next thing that we're doing. So um, you've just been, you know, I'm in awe of like the newsletters that you put out and the posts that you do because it's just been such a wonderful blossoming of like I tell you, your newsletter is like a virtual hug. Every Saturday morning, I'm typically walking out there because you send it out pretty early. Um, so I read it typically on my walks, but it's awesome. And I encourage everybody to subscribe to to Meg's newsletter because it's super thoughtful and awesome. And we'll put the link in the show notes for people to uh, to subscribe to, to the Thank newsletter. You. Thank you yeah. so much. My pleasure. Um, so I want to go into the quick fire questions because we only have a couple minutes left and it's sure. only a couple of questions. Um, the first one is that you know, on this podcast, I'm a huge reader. The listeners are big readers. So what are some books that have had a big impact on your life or just a book that you've been reading lately that you've been loving? Sure. I think for creativity, uh, El Luna, she wrote a medium post called The Crossroad Between Should and Must, and it became a book. And I mean, it talks exactly about what we just talked about, like confronting your fear and listening to that small voice inside of you that there's something you want to share. So I would definitely recommend that book to anybody who's an entrepreneur or creative. And then for writers, I really love anything by Anne Lamott. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. I'm just obsessed. Such a great writer. Her book Bird by Bird for writers is really great. All of her other books are really fantastic as well. So those are a few books that I keep coming back to. Yeah. I'll always go back to bird by bird. It's like, it's about life and it's about, and she's so like practical and real about these exact things that we're talking about. Like it's so hard to sit down and these thoughts are going to come up and writing your shitty first draft and all of those things. So yeah, I'm excited to look into the other one though, because I haven't heard. Yeah. Um, Something else that I ask all of the guests is if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Yeah, I know. I was waiting for this question. I was thinking about it. Uh, 
I think it would be like Mexican food. I'm obsessed with Mexican food. So I think it would be like shrimp tacos or something like that. Like I really love like super fresh ingredients. Yes. So just something like that I think I would want but it's really hard for me to pick because I'm just obsessed with food I know yeah I'm into (laughs) Mexican food lately because I've been having um egg tortillas for breakfast oh which are amazing and I'm like I make like an egg pancake in in the pan and then I cut it in half and put that into the tortilla with cheese and like Siete just came out with this like sprouted bean dip that's awesome oh my gosh so I put like that. I put a little cheese, avocado. It's like I'm I'm gonna have it now when we get off of our <laughs> we get That's off of our call. Yeah, <laughs> so good. And their tortillas are awesome too. I've been uh, telling people, but yeah, yeah, their tortillas are good. Yeah, that would be a contender. Uh, like the shrimp taco or something delicious like that. And then again, that's so simple too. Uh, but for some reason, tacos are just so delicious. Yeah. Um, the next question I ask is, you know, I am very spiritual, very like connected to whatever's out there for me, the way that I interpret it. Um, So what are your views on like, especially like creativity when it comes to like the universal force or just Mm -hmm. what you believe about that whole thing and how you interpret it in terms of like something bigger out there, a powerful force. Um, Yeah. I would love if you could talk about that. Yeah. You know, I think that we all are here to get through our messy struggles. And I think as a creative person, a lot of what we're meant to do is to share that despite the uncomfortable process and to learn and grow from it. And I think that our egos, like we've been talking about fear and shame, like our egos will try to keep us small and tell us not to do that. But I've had this experience where I just had this little tiny whisper, like, maybe you should share that, or maybe you should do that. And I think that tiny whisper is just our higher self and a higher self that's, you know, in tune with whatever you want to call it, source, universal consciousness. And it's really hard to tap into that when we are so often in everyday life, just like so busy and chasing things. But those moments of pause when everything just like comes into focus and I see an idea or I, you know, hear a tiny whisper, I'm like, okay, there's something bigger out there. Like a certain part of creativity is accepting that like, maybe the thing that your ego is telling you that you want to write about, like, I want to write a novel like for a long time, I wanted to write a short story, but it just wasn't coming. It just wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. And so instead of beating myself up about it, pausing and being like, okay, there is a message, like a deeper message out here. And I'm going to be the receiver of it. I'm going to listen for it. I'm going to slow down in my life and look at the things that are going on. And that's been the greatest source of creativity for me is just letting go of what I actually am attached to from an ego perspective about what I should be making and instead just listening and observing to the thoughts and true voice within myself. And I think just like in nature and here generally to create. Yeah. And because that's the thing that it is a force. It is something that's like 
you almost kind of like on the video, I'm just kind of like, you can't really like touch it. It's like, I almost think of it as like this orb or something. Uh, that's the way that I sort of visualize it. But it's like this force that like we almost need to nurture, we need to take care of. It's like, I love the way that Stephen Pressfield uh, talks about it. I think it's him where he says that intuition and creativity, like it's almost like a scared animal. Mm-hmm. And you can't like go up to it and be like, be creative, damn it. Like <laughs> just make it come out. You know what I mean? You kind of have to like, slowly be gentle with it allow it to come to you by being calm by having the clarity by doing all these like practices that we just talked about um but I think that's a wonderful way of of putting it as well uh so this has been an awesome hour I could talk to you like we could probably spend like an hour talking about each of these topics but I just wanted to make sure that we covered um you know, just some points about eating, some points about creativity, because the women that listen to this show, uh, you know, might struggle with all of those different things. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show and, and being here with me today. Oh, absolutely. It was let so the much listen- fun. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Um, let the listeners know where they can find you online and yeah. how they can subscribe to your newsletter and tell them about your, your workbook too. Sure. So probably the best way to find me is on Instagram. So I'm mapled Meg at, um, so it's M-A-P-L-E-D Meg. And my newsletter, you can uh, go to the link in my bio and that's where you can subscribe. And if you're on my subscriber list, you'll get letters about stuff that I'm working on in addition to my uh, weekly love note that we talked about. And I'm working on a workbook right now specifically for creatives and talking about exactly what we just talked about, which is how to build an awareness practice and let go of that perfect outcome as a creative and start tuning into, you know, the messages that you're getting and building a sense of really just courage to speak your story and your, and your voice. That's, and it's a messy process, which is why I created like, a 60 plus page workbook about it, but also to have a little bit of fun with it too. So you'll get to like doodle in the workbook and um, it'll be an ebook, but there'll be pages that you can print out and there's people testing it right now. And I'm already getting feedback from people that they're really loving it. So yeah. So if you subscribed on my list um, in my newsletter, you'll um, be the first to know about it. So yeah. Amazing. And, And what a great companion to have on your creative journey like just something that you can go back to and again, have fun with, express yourself in, and that can guide you along the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be some really practical mindfulness exercises in there as well um, for people to do and to work on that you'll be able to come back to as well. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So everybody definitely follow Meg on Instagram at Mapled Meg and subscribe to her uh, newsletter to get her love note and be on the lookout for her workbook which will be coming out in the next couple months. Um, Everything will be in the show notes. But I just appreciate you so much, Meg. And thank you for coming on the show with me today. And yeah, I've had so much fun. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.